Behind Every Farm, Winemaker, Bottle, and Grape lies an untold story. This is Behind the Bottle, a monthly podcast by Cape Classics, a South African and French wine importer founded in 1992. We are committed to discovering and sharing these tales. I am Mary Ellen Phillips, and in today's episode, we will sit down with one of the most acclaimed winemakers in the Loire Valley, Vincent Karem, along with his wife and partner, Tanya. Leaders in organic farming, the Karems produce wine at Domaine Vincent Karem in Vouvray and at Terre Brulee in Swartland, South Africa. Thank you for joining us, Vincent and Tanya. To lay the foundation, let's start at the beginning. Vincent, what was it like growing up in a farming family in Vouvray? Uh, it's uh, it's a part of our life. So we really uh, involve in every day in the farming, in the selling process. So everybody is involved in the family. Bouvray is a beautiful area, so we really enjoy to do that in the Loire Valley. And uh, it's very exciting because Chenin Blanc in, in the Loire is also fantastic wine. So it's a very uh, exciting um, time for us to do that. You grew up on the existing farm, correct? Yeah, well, my parents were doing uh, polyculture, like vegetable farming on vineyard. Mm-hmm. And then I was much more interesting with the vineyard and with the wine. So I decided to study only winemaking on the vineyard and then to start my own business with only the, the vineyard and the wine. For 20 years here at Cape Classics, we only imported South African wine. When we expanded to France back in 2013, Domaine Vincent Creme was our first French winery. For me, your story has always captured that South African-French connection that we live each day. Tanya, can you tell us about your background? Yes, sure. So I'm actually not from a direct wine background, but I did grow up in a wine region in Constantia in South Africa, right next to Groot Constantia, which is a beautiful old uh, farm. And so growing up, we would always go for walks in the vineyards. And I was very lucky to have parents that believed that wine was something that should be enjoyed by the whole family at the table. So from a young age, I was allowed a tiny little bit of wine with water. So although I studied um, business and accounting, and so I'm not a winemaker as such, I think the love and the passion for wine has always been there. Meeting Cape Classics was quite an incredible story because we had been contacted by an intermediary saying that there was this U.S. importer that would like to come and visit us. And I'd actually replied that, you know, that I'm sorry, but for the moment, it's not the right time. And good for the intermediary, Robert Bradshaw from Cape Classics actually came and popped in anyway the lady that works for us in our tasting room came to see me and she said, you know, there are these Americans there that would really love to see you. And as a matter of fact, that day, my son was ill. He wasn't at school and I was looking after him. So the last thing I wanted to do was to see any clients. And I went out and met Rob, who gave me his business cards and said, hi, we Cape Classics. And I almost fell on my back. (laughs) Because when I still used to live in South Africa and and I worked as an accountant, one of my clients was de Turin, which has historically been one of the first farms, I think, that Cape Classics worked with. So when I was their accountant, I used to produce the invoices for Cape Classics and see all the correspondence with Cape Classics. And this was now almost, you know, 15 years prior. So Cape Classics, I knew about them. And for me, had this was this thing. And I couldn't believe they were actually on, on my doorstep in my cellar. So I kind of, I think, immediately embraced Rob and said, hi, I can't believe you're here wanting to see us. So, um, and I think Rob was just as surprised at the warm welcome he got then all of a sudden, knowing <laughs> after I knew that was Cape Classics. So it was a, a mutually fabulous, very spontaneous and unplanned meeting. Definitely. And the rest is history. <laughs> When did you first meet Vincent? 
He worked four harvests from 97 till 2000 in South Africa, and we never met. Um, and then I was in the Loire Valley on holiday in 2005, and we've got mutual friends who, actually his best friends, who'd worked a harvest in South Africa in, in Stellenbosch in 2002. Um, so I came out to visit them. We had lunch at Vincent's place. At that stage, he was living in a tiny little troglodyte house. Um, I was very happily living in Stellenbosch in South Africa and had my, my life there, and I had no no intention of ever leaving South Africa. So this kind of came as a lightning bolt. And six months later, we were engaged. And six months later, I kind of packed up everything, joined him on the farm, got married, and we've been working together ever since. Vincent, you're in a unique position where you make Shannon Blanc in both Bouvray and South Africa. What do you love about the grape? Uh, the grape is a very beautiful grape because Chenin Blanc can really explain um, beautiful expression of the terroir, like uh, the soil and the climate. It's uh, it's a grape which is not very aromatic. It's aromatic, but not very aromatic. So you've got a beautiful expression of the of the place where you grow the grape. And also it's a grape you can do different style of wine. Like in Pouvray, we can do dry, semi-sweet, sweet, sparkling. And each wine can be very good. So we call that polymorph. So it can have different face. The Chenin Blanc can have very different face. Yeah, it's very, very interesting grape for that too. Yeah. And also a big potential of uh, aging for the wine, good acidity. So it's, it's also nice to make wine and you know it can age for 5, 10, more than 10 years sometimes. So it's very nice grape. And when do you think Chenin Blanc hits its peak in aging? How are some of the older vintages drinking right now? Uh, it's really depend on the of the vineyard, on the vintage. We've got in, in the Loire, in Vouvray, we've got a big influence of the of the vintage. So some vintage, uh, the wine will age very well. Some of the vintage, the wine will age a bit less. So I will say between five and ten years. And for the sweet wine, even more. For the sweet wine, we can age for 20 years. Some tasting with a 1947 vintage or 1945. So if it's aged in a good condition, it can really, we can really keep the wine for a very long time. Can you tell us the story of how you ended up in the Swartland? What makes this region unique and what challenges did you find there? We really wanted to, to do some, uh, some wine in South Africa. We met uh, friends, and Tanya had also friends in Swatland, and uh, we thought this place is a great place because it's a lot of new uh, winemaker, very um, uh, new generation. They, they really um, think about the vineyard and the terroir, and the winemaking process is not too technical. So it's more about the feeling also of the winemaking, which is very nice. So we found this area very, very interesting with also a lot of old vineyard of Chenin Blanc, old bouche vine. Yeah, we thought that there is a big potential and, and nice people around. So we, we found it's a nice place to do wine. And then we met friends who had this opportunity to make wine there. How old are those vines there? There is some young vineyard, but the average age is around 30, 40 years old. And some of them a bit older. Some of them are like 60 years old. It's beautiful old vine with, uh, you can see, small yield, but make uh, grapes with a lot of uh, berry, with a lot of taste and concentration. So it's, it's nice. It's very nice. I just want to dive into the Terre Brulee La Rouge here for a minute. La Rouge is your first red. How has it been working with different varietals? I don't do red wine in, in, in the Loire, in Vouvray. We can't do red. 
and and add this opportunity in uh, in Switzerland to make some raid, and and we've got some uh, nice shiraz and sansu. We get very good ripening and very good flavor of this grape. So I thought I will I will use a sansu like a light red wine to make blend with a shiraz, which is more strong and spicy and powerful wine. So yeah, I'm very happy with that to do red wine because. Uh, it's well, something I really want to, to experiment. Switching gears back to France, what would you say is Domaine Vincent Carême's winemaking philosophy? Um, I think our winemaking philosophy, it's not from when the grapes come into the cellar. Our winemaking philosophy is about from the moment we plant the vines. So we've actually done quite a lot of planting of vines, which is an incredible feeling because you plant these vines and we know that actually we will probably never see the full potential potential of these vines while we are still actively working. It would probably be our children, perhaps, or uh, the next generation that takes over, you know, in 30 years' time where those wine, vines will really come to fruition. Um, so it's a really continuous process from the vines straight through to the bottle. And then also from we extremely lucky to have an amazing team of employees. I have five people that work with us, two of whom actually also make their own wine on the side, and we encourage them to do that. Um, they are absolutely passionate. So we've been very lucky to have people that work with us because Vincent and I, I think the first thing we will say is that the two of us alone, uh, yes, we perhaps the driving force, but we are incredibly lucky to have this wonderful team that works with us and that makes everything possible. So our philosophy is about, I suppose, the whole process. We can't just say we've created a brand and now we're selling this brand. Uh, we really live what we do. We live on the farm. The, the office is 20 meters from the, from the house. Uh, the tasting room is just outside the house. So it's really what we live and breathe. I think we are lucky in that our work is also our passion. Vincent has never, ever wanted to do anything else than be a winemaker. I think he knew that at the age of about eight years old already. So sometimes it's difficult because the work kind of can encroach quite a lot into personal time, but it doesn't actually feel like work. We are, we're very lucky to enjoy what we do. The domain wines are certified organic. Why do you farm organically? We did start to farm organic in 2003, just after four years. Uh, and um, we, we we met friends in the Loire. They were already farming organic. So when I did talk with them, they explained me, oh, it's it's great to do that. And also the feeling you've got in the vineyard to see all these indigenous plants and life in the vineyard. So that was for me um, very important to do that. So we, we decided, yeah, 2003 to, to start with organic farming. At the beginning, um, it was a bit difficult because you need to know the place, the soil, the climate, uh, you need to know your vineyard and you need to do a lot of observation. But after a few years, you feel much more confident and, and then it's much easier to do organic farming because you know more about the vineyard and each place, how it's going to work and um, how it's going to be. So, yeah, it's uh, and also the quality of the grape, it's uh, changed a lot. And I feel the wine is very different when you farm organically. And what practices do you utilize to achieve that? For the soil, we do, um, we leave the natural grass between the row. Uh, which is good because we've got different plants uh, and, and these plants going to be a nice support for the life in the vineyard, for the insect and the balance of the vineyard. 
under the row we're going to work under the row we just clean with a mechanical system to spray we we've got some pressure with mildew in the loire in vouvray sometimes in spring so we spray only with copper small dose of copper and also we use a little bit of sulfur so we spray only with sulfur and copper and we often we add some um, plants like uh, I don't, I don't know the name in English, but different plants uh, we can use with the copper and the sulfur just to help the vineyard against the fungus. Yeah, and we get, we're going to use also manure for the fertilization for the soil. And also we've got a part of the vineyard we do with the horses. We, we've got a friend and he's doing um, all the work uh, with the horses. Why do you use the horses? There is um, a part of the claw which is very difficult to work with a tractor because it's very steep and dangerous with all the tractor. So it's we found it's much easier to work with the horses, and, and also it's our philosophy and it's it's so nice to see the horses working in the vineyard. So that we are very happy with that too. Vincent, how would you compare the 2017 to the 2018 vintage? After the frosts and challenges of 2017, is 2018 a return to normal for you, volume-wise? They are both very early vintage. 17, uh, we did start to pick in the 12 or 13 September. It's a beautiful vintage. We had a bit of rain at the beginning of the of the harvest, but then beautiful weather. So 17 for me, it's um, quite a nice vintage with a good balance, good acidity. Uh, the yield was uh, not very high because we had a bit of frost in, in, in spring, but the quality was very good. 18 is also very early. We didn't add any problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, no, no frost, uh, nothing wrong. So quite easy for us. And, and the quality on the quantity was very good too. Yeah. Uh, maybe 18 was a bit more powerful vintage because it was quite hot during the harvest. So we had high sugar level in the grape and uh, you, you can feel that in the wine. It's quite big wine. Uh, still balanced with uh, acidity is okay, but uh, a, bit, a bit stronger, a bit warmer style. But beautiful vintage too, yeah. To cover some basics, how big is the domain? And what are the different vineyards, terroirs, the range and age of the vines? So Vincent started the estate in 1999. Um, At that stage, he was still going to South Africa to work the harvest there, which is obviously six months uh, different to the harvest in France. And then um, from 2000, having now his own wine on the market to sell, he stopped going to South Africa. And then, so the estate has been going, we've, you know, celebrated our 20th year this year. Originally, he started off with three and a half hectares, kind of renting vineyard and buying vineyard where he could, because it's not an old, you know, family farm, it really is a creation. Today, we've got 17 hectares in production. So I think that's about 40 or 45 acres. And we, there are eight villages in the Vouvray wine area, one of which is the village of Vouvray, but there are also seven other villages along with the village of Vouvray. So we have our vineyards in three of those villages, in Vernou-Sorbrenne, where we live, in the village of Vouvray and the village of Noisé. And our vineyards span about 12 kilometers because Vouvray is on the, the right bank, on the north bank of the Loire. So we've probably got about 12 kilometers between the two extremities of our, of our vineyards. And the different soils that we have ranges from clay to flint to limestone. And the type of limestone, as Vincent mentioned, is called tufu. So 
although logistically it can be a bit challenging having such a big difference and distance between the different blocks, it does give us access to very different terroir. So a wine like the Sec, which is a blend, uh, you know, we are able to make something that's really interesting and really the way that we want it to be. Tanya, being that you guys make wine both in France and South Africa, how do you split time there? <laughs> it <laughs> <laughs> sounds a big undertaking. <laughs> yes, luckily, I mean, it's two such beautiful places. So what we do, the harvest in South Africa is in beginning of February, and the harvest in Vouvray is end of September, beginning of October. So Vincent manages to be obviously in each country for, for each vintage, but the majority of our time is spent in France because that's where we live, that's where our children are, and that's where the estate is. So Vincent goes to South Africa during harvest time, and then he goes back to South Africa in November for bottling and blending. So he's there a minimum of twice a year. And I go out two to three times a year. I'm very lucky that my family is there as well. And it doesn't feel like work when I go to South Africa. And then I'm mm-hmm. able to taste the wine, help with the blending, bring back samples, uh, see suppliers. So um, we're lucky enough to be able to do those trips to South Africa. And we actually feel very fortunate to be able to do that. Earlier, Vincent mentioned the caves that are on the property. Are they used to age the wines? Yes, they're actually uh, incredible because they were dug in the 15th and 16th century. They were quarries to extract rock to build the the chateau, the castles in the area. And and our property was originally part of a beautiful castle that's right next to us. Um, So these caves weren't actually made by the winemakers as such, but then they were perfect for, at the time, for winemakers and actually also for mushroom growers. There are no more mushroom growers in the area anymore, but even just 30 years ago, there were still quite a few mushroom farms in the different caves in the region. Our caves have been used apparently for wine for centuries now already. So it's in the rock. It's a tunnel in the rock that was uh, dug by hand uh, at the time. It's really quite impressive to see. And it's ideal because the temperature remains between 11 and 13 degrees Celsius. So we have our, for example, our barrel aging cellar is in the cave. Um, All our sparkling wine, which spends at least one to two years on the lees or on the pupitre, all of those are in the caves. In Vouvray, you can actually find, we've got a friend who's got 15 kilometers of caves. Uh, He even has a small little lake about 10 kilometers into the caves. So it's really part of the heritage of the area. And it's something that's that's gorgeous to see. And even our house is built into the rock. And we've got our, our own little private cellar is a cave that you have to go through the house through a tunnel to get into. So it's absolutely gorgeous. Let's discuss some of the wines, beginning with Le Clos. What is the history of the vineyard? Well, the Clos vineyard is a very old vineyard. I mean, the, the place, it probably was built in the 15th, 16th century. And it belonged to the chateau, Chateau du Clos. In the 20th century, they split the property and they sold the chateau and they sold the vineyard and a small house and the cave. So in 2004, we had the opportunity to buy the clos, the vineyard, with the cave and the, and the small house. It's a, a very interesting, uh, a very beautiful vineyard because it's southwest facing, quite warm. We are close to the valley, so we've got also a lot of wind from from the valley, from the Loire Valley, and from the, another valley. Every year we've got very good ripening and and a cool night, so we can keep that nice acidity. Yeah, it's 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 very good for that. Also, the soil is is limestone. It's a shallow soil with limestone tufo, 
the name of the limestone. And um, so it's give also a good character of the wine. To for the limestone always give more structure on, on tannin in the wine. So it's also a wine you can you age and keep for five or ten years. The Vouvray Sec is the newest addition to our portfolio here in the U.S. What types of soil do the grapes grow in and what style of wine are you aiming for when you make it? So the Sec is, is come from uh, three different uh, area, uh, three village. Uh, majority of the soil is flint and clay and a little bit of limestone. For the Sec, we look for a wine which is a bit more uh, soft and open style uh, if you compare with a claw. The aging is a bit shorter. We don't use... Um, New oak, it's uh, wood tanks on 400 liters barrel, but older barrel. So we look for a wine which is um, a bit more easier to drink, young and open. Still a nice balance with acidity, but a bit more freshness, maybe um, a bit more crispy than the claw. And uh, yeah, still have a good potential of aging, but sec is, uh, I think, easy to drink every day. Yeah, look, is a bit more serious style wine. Can you tell us the background on Ancestral from vineyard to cellar? Yeah, so the, the Ancestral, it's a natural sparkling wine. So we, we select the grape from uh, old vineyard, from clay soil, old vineyard, like 50, 60 years old vineyard. Clay soil, uh, the yield is about 35, 40 hectoliters per hectare. So we select the grape when it's ripe. Uh, it's mean for the sparkling, usually we pick the grape I mean, people pick the grape a bit early before the nice ripening. So for the ancestral, because we use a natural sugar, we want to pick the grape when it's ripe. So then we've got nice flavor from the Shona, ripe flavor. And then we do a wall bunch breathing called settling. And we start fermentation in tank, uh, natural fermentation. We don't add any yeast. It's natural fermentation. And... Um, when when we've got about 18, 20 gram residual sugar, we bottle the wine to continue the fermentation in bottle with a natural sugar on the natural yeast. So we don't add anything. It's just the first fermentation will continue in in, uh, in bottle. So it's give give a very interesting flavor. Keep that fruit of uh, first fermentation, which is nice. I think yeah. Are there any standout dishes that you'd pair your wines with? One thing that we love about France is the harmonious food and wine culture. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, France, no no wine tasting would be complete without the winemaker giving you a long history of which foods he thinks should be enjoyed with this and in which vintage, which food would accompany which dish better. Um, but for us, for example, the sec, uh, it's a food that's fabulous with shellfish, uh, with with poultry. So if you've got um, scallops in a in a um, poivre, I'm sorry, I'm looking for the English word, um, scallops in a leek reduction, for example, or otherwise you can have uh, also some of your oilier fish, such as a lightly seared uh, salmon or tuna steak. Um, and then, of course, sushi. Uh, can You can have the sparkling wine as well as the, the still wines with, with sushi. Um, Vouvray, often with, even with our dry wines, they taste dry, but, you know, it's got about three to four grams of residual 
it your sugar. But you you don't taste it because we've got this wonderful acidity, uh, which is a good thing, which is something we want that balances with the, the sugar so that gives the impression of the wine being dry. But this makes it a wonderful food wine. Um, it makes your mouth water. It makes you want to have another sip. Um, and it can go very well with, let's say, um, food in a cream-based sauce or something a little bit spicy or sweet and sour. So the possibilities are, are endless. And if anybody comes up with a good idea of a new dish, please let us know because we're always experimenting and, and wanting to try something new. Definitely. Schenenbach is such a versatile grape too, we, we find personally. So I get it. It's the best grape in the world. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> we, are, we are completely unobjective. We definitely agree with you there. <laughs> This episode of Behind the Bottle was recorded and produced in our offices in New York City. You can purchase any of the wines discussed today online at wine.com. For 10% off of your order, enter Cape Classics at checkout. For more information on Cape Classics wines, please visit capeclassics.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Cape Classics Wines. Thank you for listening and please tune in next time. Until then, cheers!